it's a big challenge to get somebody who rightly so is trying to enjoy their honeymoon or their family vacation to take time to think about nature, to think, you know, think about the community. Some people may just want to be there to raft and zip line and have a nice meal and have a massage and enjoy the hot springs and move to the beach. Not everybody will necessarily be interested in helping. So it's a project of trying to get your guests first informed, second raise enthusiasm and then hopefully lead to action. Hello there. If you find yourself looking for a slower way of life, of travels, of connecting to the people and the places around you, you're in good company. Join me, Molly Reese, for season three of our series, where we soak in the senses of the summer and linger a little longer as we dive into refreshing conversations with creators and curators from around the world who know a thing or two about good hospitality, good gastronomy, good times, and good vibes. This is Staying Good Company. Today, we're in great company with Mario Mikowski, second-generation owner and director of Tabacon, a tropical haven and leading sustainable hotel located at the base of the Arenal Volcano in the northern region of Costa Rica, where guests can unfold into the diversity of the rainforest and immerse themselves into the wellness offered by its naturally flowing hot springs. Mario, bienvenido to the show. Happy to have you in our company yet again. <laughs> Muchas gracias, Molly. Thank you for having us. It's a uh... An honor and a pleasure to be here. Now, before we get to know your family's thermal resort and spa, celebrating 30 serene years, and a big congratulations on that, we of course want to get to know you. So can you share a bit more about yourself, your upbringing in San Jose, and some of your personal passions? Let me take you a little bit back, because you mentioned I'm second generation Tawakon, which is 100% correct, but uh, I am actually third generation hospitality in Costa Rica. My dad's uncle, so my great uncle, who immigrated to Costa Rica in the mid-1930s from Poland, it's a long family history. Basically, they arrived as immigrants, nothing pretty much uh, except for a few clothes that they were able to bring in from Europe. But slowly they started working, saving, investing. And eventually my great uncle was able to open a hotel in San Jose in downtown called the Hotel Presidente. That hotel is iconic and it was opened in 1963. The name Presidente actually comes from the fact that uh, the hotel opened a few months after JFK gave a major address at the National Theater in downtown San Jose. And then there was a big parade honoring President Kennedy. And then while the parade was going in front of the construction of the hotel, my great uncle had the great idea to honor the event and the amazing experience by naming the hotel Hotel Presidente. So 60 years ago, the first person of our family opened the first hotel in downtown. And then my dad followed up expanding the Hotel Presidente and eventually designing and building Tawakon. As I say, third generation hospitality, second generation Tawakon. And I grew up with my dad being a brilliant, sort of risk-taking, visionary entrepreneur who was involved in many, many industries. And as a very good uh, sort of startup artist, some of them took off, some of them failed. 
and you learn from your mistakes and you move on to the next one. So I grew up, my dad was an architect trained in Israel who was involved in real estate development, designing single homes for clients and friends, designed a few hotels for other clients uh, along Guanacaste coast and shoreline, did low income housing in the 1980s and did urbanistic projects, eventually leading to his masterpiece, which is Tawakon. So I saw the whole, I lived the whole trajectory of his short but very successful professional life, which also included his passion for nature, where he uh, had a coffee farm, a mango farm, started a solar heating company, a very innovative construction, I guess, a method using pre-made concrete panels. The funny thing about that history is that this was done 40 years ago. And today, Nantipa's new rooms are being built with the exact same technology, of course, much refined and much newer, but the same concept. So it's sort of a full circle for me. So I grew up like that. My dad was a nature lover. We always had animals and pets around the house, from dogs, hundreds of dogs, to in the farm, we had horses. Uh, Unfortunately, we had a monkey that was given to my dad from somebody who had it in captivity and the monkey couldn't be released. So we kept it in a huge cage. We had cattle, we had horses, we had all sorts of birds, parakeets. My great uncle loved macaws, so he had macaws. It was not illegal then to have them as pets. Now it is in Costa Rica. Chicken coops, I grew up with, like surrounded by wildlife. My mom even worked as a professor of biochemistry in the medical school at the University of Costa Rica. She did a lot of research. One of the research projects was with snake venom and antidotes. And one day she had a wonderful idea to bring home a live boa constrictor, which terrified the hell out of me. And I still have a fear of snakes. So that's a little bit of my upbringing in Costa Rica. Well, that's definitely a different childhood, I would say, but one full of nurturing, it sounds like. And the fact that you were surrounded by nature and wildlife and then, of course, the, the hospitality and the entrepreneurship from your father and, of course, the, the nurturing environment that your mother created and the educational piece there. I think that that just definitely set you up for a career and a lifestyle in all that you've brought to the Costa Rican community. So you had touched on prior to Tabacon how your family had really been a part of the hospitality scene from the beginning. But how did the story of Tabacon start back in the 1980s? What drew your father to this very special land in particular? So my father developed a fascination with hot springs. I am not quite sure where it came from, but he visited Costa Rica is a volcanic land and Typically, when there's volcanoes, you're going to find hot springs. When I grew up, Costa Rica had nine identified volcanoes, three of which were active. Of course, this is a few years ago. Technology improved, satellites, infrared imaging. Turns out Costa Rica has over 100 volcanoes. And a few of those actually made eruptions from since the time I was in high school to the to this moment now. So a lot of them are more active. Costa Rica is a very active volcano country. And of course, along with the volcano, there's tons of hot springs. So there's hot spring clusters near the Irasu volcano, near the Rincón de la Vieja volcano, near the Tenorio volcano, and of course, the Arenal where Tabacón sits. So my dad was visiting multiple, multiple properties and looking for the ideal combination of temperature, volume, 
and mineral content. Some of them were not hot enough. Some of them, the water was not abundant. Some of them had too much sulfur content, which would pretty much scare the um, visitors or repel some of the visitors. So eventually he was led to Tawakon, which was a free-flowing hot stream or river down this pasture land. And uh, his first concept was amazing because he combined the touristic aspect of it. This is back in the early 1990s where Costa Rica was not an international destination. We were not getting a lot of visitors from abroad. So his idea was for domestic travel plus bottling water. So he wanted to put a bottling plant to sell the high mineral content water, both from the hot springs and the cold springs that are within the property. That part of the dream never materialized fully, but you can get the high quality mineral water in your hotel room now in Tawakon because we do have a little bit of a bottling operation only for local use. And then every room, instead of having a plastic bottle with some strange water, we have fresh spring water from the Tawakon property refilled in your glass bottle daily in Tawakon. So eventually my dad got to Tawakon, fell in love with the property, thought it was perfect for his dreams, talked to the owners, convinced them to sell him half a 50% ownership, got a, a, a group of friends and family to invest with him, came in, developed the concept for the resort area, which is still the resort area that it's today, landscaped the river, did all the amazing planting of, I don't know how many hundreds of species of plants, some endemic, some he brought from other parts of Costa Rica, great flowers, tropical flowers, ran out of budget, got into a fight with his partners, found a way to buy out the, the original owners or investors, brought in a fresh set of investors and formed a new partnership and moved on to open Tawakon in April of 1993. Wow. It sounds like Tabacon and the surrounding area really lucked out in the sense that he saw the beauty of it originally, but then had this grand vision for it. And he was really protective of that. I think nowadays you see a lot of places where it's just oversaturated tourism or all these artificial practices and experiences. But the fact that he had all these other passions for nature, for education, for that hospitality aspect and all of that came about in Tabacon and what he created there really speaks for the entrepreneur that he was, but also just the community member he was in stewarding this land. And I think that it sounds like you've taken a lot of that with you as you've grown in your own ways. And so what was it like growing up in the footsteps of your father? Were there certain lessons or values that you took away in particular? Wow. Yes, Absolutely. I mean, unfortunately, my, my, my father died at a very young age. He was 57, and he died a few months after opening the second phase of Tawakon, which was the actual hotel. So he built the first 42 rooms, got to see them open, got to experience them for a few months, and then unfortunately passed away. So you're always second-guessing yourself. You know, is this something my dad would have done? Would he agree with the direction that we're taking his vision and continuing. So even though you can take the lessons, you're always trying to respect the original vision and the original concept that uh, he put in Tabacon as his signature 
accomplishment. Of course, there's been 30 years of transformation. La Fortuna went from a sleepy town of a few hundred to being the number one visited destination in Costa Rica with amazing hotels. It has developed organically, but in a very healthy way that most, if not all the companies and all the activities in tourism are going to be small, independent, family-owned, family-operated companies from the tour operators to the restaurants, to the hotels, to the transportation companies, to the guides. So it's a very local experience, but La Fortuna and San Carlos in general is an area of entrepreneurs, risk takers, hardworking people. So it's developed a huge cluster of amazing experiences that complement each other. And then all in accordance to, I guess, respect for nature, respect for the resources. Uh, While there is no official urbanistic or development plan that encompasses the whole area, the truth is everybody's trying to keep the, the, the spirit and the same vision alive. One thing that amazes me and that should give you an idea on how people in La Fortuna behave, there is an amazing waterfall near town. It's called La Fortuna Waterfall. It's one of those must-see attractions in the area. It's nature. It's a wonderful waterfall. It was developed. So the owner of the land donated that property to the town, to the community. That is managed by the local, it's called the Asociación de Desarrollo. So it's like a development association, which is democratically elected and they operate and run this attraction or park. And it generates a very, very important amount of money for the community. And that is reinvested in La Fortuna, improving the town. They built homes to tend to senior citizens, recycling centers. So it's a prosperous town, but that knows how to give back. So it's not just Tawacón now, it's La Fortuna and Arenal in general which together probably give you one of the most important destinations in Costa Rica and probably the best known worldwide. It definitely sounds like it. I I really appreciate that there is that local connection and everyone has a role to play. And it's not like there's a lot of foreign investment that all of a sudden is going to run dry. It's people caring about their homes, caring about their neighbors and building up their community together. And it sounds like your dad played a very instrumental role in that and you do as well. And I want to know what inspired you personally to pursue a career in lifestyle and hospitality. Did you always plan to take on the family business or was there a certain moment in time that drew you to this decision? Uh, Never was the plan. My dream occupation while growing up was to be a biomedical engineer. And that is actually my degree from college. After that, I got an MBA, but my goal was to stay in the sort of technology fields especially the medical technology fields. But life has twists and we have this amazing investments. I'm the oldest kid in the family. My mom comes from academia. So somebody had to take over. Absolutely. And today, having looked back at the career that you've built in hospitality, would you say that it was worth it? Oh, absolutely. 100%. So I tell everyone that's interested in going into hospitality or in hospitality that it's a bug. And if you get the bug, 
it's going to be with you your whole life. Either you love hospitality or you hate it. But if you hate it, don't get in. If you love it, it's a passion. And it's a passion that's going to keep you coming back for more. It's a wonderful occupation where, and this is what I try to convey to all the staff members, you are here to make people happy. And they are, for the most part, in a happy occasion of their lives. They're on a vacation, they're on a honeymoon, they're on an anniversary trip, they're on a trip of their, as you say, bucket list, lifetime. So in general, you should be dealing with people that are happy, relaxed, and open to learning and to experiencing. And that should make your life easy. I mean, yeah, I understand that you may not like the room or you may not like Mojito doesn't have enough rum or you don't like the rum they used, but I mean, when you think about other professions and dealing with life or death or dealing with significant investments or politicians making you know, decisions for a whole country, we have it easy. I mean, we in general are there to make people happy and to you know, help them create memories and hopefully fall in love with the country, fall in love with the Costa Rican culture and maybe bring something home back and maybe come back soon. It is not a life or death experience that you're going to be if you're a physician or you're a lawyer with somebody in a you know murder trial so it's not so bad that's a very good point and while it is definitely not just a career it's a lifestyle i don't think it's something that you can turn off when you go home you're always have that hospitality mindset and are always catering to those guests or thinking about them or solving the the little daily challenges that come up that you can't anticipate but to your point, the reward is so worth it when you see the smiles on their faces or you hear about the memories that they shared from past trips. And so it sounds like you're definitely encouraging your team at Tabacon to really understand how blessed of a, an experience that is and how to take full advantage of that. You're so right, because uh, when we go on a family vacation, as you say, hospitality never leaves you. So I'm always looking at the maintenance of the hotel I'm staying in and how the people reacted at check-in or the waiter or the waitress served the dish. And my wife is like, you know, stop working. Like, just sit down, relax, enjoy the trip and stop looking at where the fault is or if the therapist followed protocol. And yeah, you just, it, it, you can't separate your personal trips from work. But it's such a learned mindset too. To your point, I can't go to a restaurant and not fold my napkin before putting it back on the table or helping to clear the dishes <laughs> and whatnot. It's, it's just innate. And I mean, part of it is because I'm the oldest of four. And so I think I was born with having to, to take care of other people. But <laughs> I do think that it definitely takes a certain person. But that's the beauty of what you're able to share with others and to make it really feel like you're at home at a place like Tabacon. <laughs> Hopefully, right? That's what we try. <laughs> Good. Well, how has Tabacon evolved over the past several decades from the restoration and reforestation of the original spa concept to the expansion into the hotel? What was that journey like? So first five years of the Tabacon existence were basically a day, day trip experience. We just had the um, hot springs, the pools, one restaurant and a very, very small spa with two treatment rooms. And we started getting visitors originally from either San Jose or the beach. And then as hotels started popping up in the Arenal area, there would be people 
visitors that were overnighting in the different hotels in the area and coming to visit us. Originally, Arenal was positioned as a destination to come see a, an active volcano, which in the early days, you would have nightly eruptions. You would see the red lava rocks and lava coming down. And of course, enjoy the hot springs and then move on. Over the years, as tourism started developing, Arenal became what we call the capital of eco-adventures in Costa Rica. So right now, this is the top destination in the country to do all the fun things Costa Rica is known for, whether it's whitewater rafting, rappelling down waterfalls, doing hanging bridges, zip lining. There's a bunch of national parks. As I mentioned, there's waterfalls. Of course, you can do ATVs, horseback riding. There is a wonderful lake nearby. You can do fishing, kayaking. So in general, the local chamber of tourism says there's about 30 to 35 different activities in the region that you can enjoy. And that made the Arenal destination more than just a volcano and hot springs. So the evolution of the destination, Tawakon evolved five years later. From the opening, we opened at 42 rooms. Eventually, we grew to the 105 guest rooms that we own and operate currently. But in the early 2000s, Four Seasons opened in Costa Rica, and that was the first true luxury hotel that opened in the country. That also opened Costa Rica to the luxury travel market segment and opened the opportunity for and showed most of us hoteliers not only that it is possible to attract the luxury tourists, but also how to do it and do it well. So from the mid 2000s, I guess in the, sorry, around 2008, 2007, we hired a German manager with the sole goal of transforming Tawakon into the five-star luxury market, along with a lot of renovations and improvements and hiring the staff to deliver on the luxury experience, we were able to join leading hotels of the world and sort of put a seal of guarantee. At the same time, we started joining some of the travel agent consortia that were in the luxury segment. But then the next transformation came about six or seven years ago when we decided to not only do luxury, but do sustainable luxury. And that's when we started learning about sustainable practices. Some of them were inherent to Tawakon. For example, we don't heat water. We use natural resources from the volcano to deliver hot water to the pools and also the, the showers and the bathtubs in the, in the rooms. But we took the next step. So reducing single-use plastic, recycling, using local resources, protecting the environment, starting up the reforestation project you mentioned. Uh, we have a beautiful plant the tree program. And little by little, we were doing also community outreach to the point where we are today, where we um, have a complete program. We are part of the Small Luxury Hotels Considered Collection Program, along with the Virtuoso Sustainability Community. So we are trying to evolve from just a luxury experience to a sustainable luxury experience that can in include the guest experience as part of our programs as well. That's so great to hear of that evolution and the fact that you have that worldview to see what other luxury hotels are doing and what the trends are in travel. 
I think that for a lot of younger generations, we're wanting to be more experiential. We're wanting to see that sign of sustainability as that stamp of commitment to the local community, to the stewardship of the land. And so the fact that you are one of those hotels that, and resorts that have been around for decades, but you're willing to grow and evolve and to learn from others, I think that that's really admirable. Looking back when your father named the destination, what does Tabacon mean? And, and is there any special story or significance there? The river is called the Tabacon River or the hot, I mean, it's called the Tabacon River, it's the Tabacon Hot Springs. So it was already named after the river. Uh, now, what does the word Tabacon mean? It is a local plant. I mean, if you take the root of it, it comes from tobacco, right? So it's a, it's a huge plant that grows low, but has very big leaves, maybe six feet. And it's called the Tabacon plant. So the river is named after the plant and the hotel is named after the river. A great sense of place. Exactly. Hello, worldly travelers and loyal listeners. Do you know of places and people we can stay in good company with? Are you yourself a host looking to share your story and welcome in good company? We're always looking for new places to travel, new people to meet. Share who you know and where they are by sending us a note at stayinggoodcompany.com or by mentioning us on our social media channels at stayinggoodcompany. We'll be sure to give you a shout out when we're there. Now it's time for us all to take a trip to Tabacon as it stands today. So can you paint us a picture of the thermal resort and spa? And as we enter upon the 900 acres of the tropical reserve, and of course, Costa Rica's largest network of naturally flowing hot springs, what can we expect to experience here? Imagine being at the base of an active volcano, which can be seen from pretty much anywhere in the property surrounded by primary and secondary rainforest. So it's a very lush natural setting. And then maybe a mile upstream the resort, there's literally a hole on the side of the mountain where the water comes gushing out. Then it starts flowing down the mountain or the side of the mountain, very unspoiled until it reaches the area that was landscaped for, I guess, guest and, and human use. And that's sort of the beginning of the Tawakon Resort. So my dad took that water, channeled it into multiple river pools, waterfalls. It sort of snakes around the different parts of the property. And it forms just all these amazing little areas where guests can just go into the river, different water temperatures, different water pressures. He was able to also take cold water from other springs in the, in the rainforest and feed into specific areas of, of the property. So you would have cold water, hot water, you know, mixed temperature water. And on top of that, we added about 25 different man-made pools of different sizes that is fed with hot springs water. That one has sort of lounge chairs and a swim-up bar and all the services. You can dine next to the pool. So it's more of that resort experience, but the beauty of the whole thing is the natural hot springs with the wonderful waterfalls. There's a beautiful restaurant that overlooks the whole, not only has a view of the volcano, but it overlooks the forest and the hot springs. And in the middle of the property, you have our wonderful spa. So the spa consists of a welcome area, which has sort of what we call the pre and the post. You know, you're basically coming in to get prepared, store your clothes, valuables, put your uh, bathrobe on. 
then you're going to be pampered with your beverages, your welcome. There's a small sort of hot tub where you prepare, and then you're escorted to your personal bungalow. And these are bungalows that are designed for two guests at a time, so a lot of couples massages, all of them with their personal hot tub, so you can do banyotherapy following your massage or your treatment. And it's in the middle of the forest. So it's an open-air bungalow. You're going to feel the whatever temperature it happens to be. You're going to hear the animals in the forest. Hopefully, if you're lucky, it's going to be raining because the sound of the rainfall plus the flowing river next to the bungalow makes it extremely relaxing. And it really gives you a, a very different spa experience from what you may be accustomed in a high-end resort where you're you know, surrounded by walls with pipe music. This is all nature. So... It is an amazing, very different spa experience, and uh, that's just an integral part of the Tawakon overall stay. It sounds like it. To your point, there's nothing artificial about that. You're fully immersed in all of those natural senses. And I think that you've curated the experience in such a way that you have your traditional spa experiences, treatments, et cetera, but then you've got all of those natural touches and, and resources to enjoy as well just a a personal story. Nick and I were traveling through Italy and it was a few weeks into our travels. And I think at that point, our kind of energy and immune system was catching up to us. And so Nick was really not feeling well. And we were trying to drive through Italy and on the side of the road, there was this natural hot spring. And it looked like, I mean, we could not have stumbled upon it at the more perfect time. And it was untouched. There was very few people there. There was no long line. There was no tickets. We thought that this must be a joke, like this can't be real. (laughs) Um, But we pulled over and just immersed ourselves in this natural hot spring. We found our bathing suits in the back of our cab and we changed in the car and we just sat there for a few hours and he felt immediately better. And I think it was, I don't know if those minerals in the water or the temperature or just the fact that this was such a unique experience. It really brought such rejuvenation to him. And then the the memories that we have as a result are so unique. And so I can only imagine that when you pair those natural experiences with different springs throughout Tabacon, but then you pair that with an actual curated spa treatment, how you can't feel just wonderful coming out of that. <laughs> so so let me one up you on that. Uh, and the, the, <laughs> the experience is probably, uh, it sounds like the early days of Tabacon. In that Tabacon experience that you just described, you missed the first part, which is going to have your nature adventure in the morning. So imagine going rafting. I just did the class four rafting with my daughter in the Sarapiki River. It was amazing. I wouldn't recommend it for everybody that hasn't done rafting yet. You'll start in the class three, but eventually move up to class four. If you don't like rafting, the waterfall repelling and pure trick is just unbelievable. It's a wonderful experience. We also did that again for the, I think my 15th time. You're just rappelling in this rainforest canyon and you're just having this amazing energy from nature and just the thrill of rappelling down. I think it's a 165 foot side of the wall of the waterfall. Uh, and you do that multiple times. If you don't like that, ziplining is always a favorite or you just hike in the, in the national parks. So you're going to be very active during the day. You're going to be doing all these adventures, probably being, you know, with your high adrenaline level. And then you're coming back to your hot springs. You relax in the hot springs. You do have your massage. And of course, you end up with a wonderful dinner from our amazing chef. And it's a complete day. It sounds like a perfect day to me. 
<laughs> and then wake up and do it all over again. Well, and I want to touch on where you're actually staying on property too. So you had mentioned there's 105 rooms and suites at this point. Can you share a little bit more about the intentionality behind the design? I'm sure you bring in the breathtaking beauty of the rainforest and of course, luxury accommodations and amenities. So what all do you have to offer for those stays in particular? So that's a great point because from my whole description, I never actually touched on the rooms, right? Hotels <laughs> are supposed to be about rooms. We're supposed to spend the night there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you need a bed, probably a bathroom too. So part of our uh, sort of transition into luxury meant renovating all the rooms. And that meant bringing up the quality, not only just the size. In some cases, we had to knock down walls and make two rooms into one. We also had to enhance on the amenities. And that's what we've been doing over the last few years. So currently, all our rooms have been renovated since, uh, I believe it's 2019, late 2019 or less. So they're quite fresh. We use local professionals. So all the architecture, all the interior design is by local talent, Costa Rican talent. And we try to keep it in a way that we are true to Costa Rican design. So local materials, local woods. And of course, some of our suites and the sort of the higher level categories, you're going to have either your standalone bathtub in, the, in your balconies overlooking the view, or you're going to have your private plunge pool. So we try to bring in some details and amenities and we try to cover the market that goes from the entry-level luxury to the, I wouldn't call it ultra-lux. We're not in the ultra-lux business. We're going to be in the affordable luxury category. So that's sort of the sweet spot for Tawakon. And we try to keep the rooms and the rates sort of competitive and according to the, the value we offer, not just as a hotel and the rooms, but also as the, the complete resort experience. Right. Well, and that experience, as you have been talking about is, I mean, just there's so much to do. So I can see how people would want to stay for a long time and or keep coming back so that they can get to that third and fourth level rafting or how many times propelling from the waterfalls. <laughs> I don't think that could ever get old. Now, if we were to dine in good company at your numerous bars and restaurants along the property, what can you tell us about your culinary journey full of the Costa Rican flavors there? So we have a relatively new, very young chef, early 30s, just full of creativity, full of talent, who basically his vision of dining in Costa Rica and our vision of sustainability are a perfect match. So he has been able to create not only traditional dishes with a unique presentation and unique flair, but also use the local ingredients of Costa Rica in a very different way to provide a very high-end, unique dining experience. So he uses simple ingredients like uh, cassava or yuca, plantains, both green and ripe. Lots of local fish. He's a seafood expert, so he, he uses a lot of fish. He found a, an oyster grower in the, in the peninsula, so we bring oysters, Costa Rican oysters. So we did a transition where we conscientiously took out most imported products and most important ingredients. We used to feature, for example, salmon, duck, some ingredients that they're not available in Costa Rica unless they're imported, and substitute them. So he substituted the um, salmon for local trout. He substituted duck for uh, 
some other protein that is developed in Costa Rica or, or grown in Costa Rica. So it's a local experience, but at a very, very high end. So we have three levels of the experience. At the more casual level is the restaurant next to the hot springs. This is a designed experience where you're coming out of the water, maybe coming out of your massage. You don't feel like dressing up. You may be wearing your bathing suit, throw a bathrobe on, go to have a nice meal. There you're going to have a series of Costa Rican dishes from the typical casados to the ceviches to arroz con pollo. There's chifrijo. There's quite a lot of sort of traditional recipes. Then at Tucanes, which is the second restaurant, it's going to be a little bit more of a fine dining experience where your wait staff is ready to pair your dishes with either fine wines or with amazing cocktails. One of our bartenders ranked uh, number two mixologist in Costa Rica in a recent competition. So they're very creative along the sense of mixology as well. And you have more of a, a quiet, fine dining experience at Tucanes. Maybe slow dining would be a better word. And then finally, our ephemeral table, which is our chef's table. That is a six-course price fix. Chef's decision, we interview our guests. It can be anywhere from two to, to six. Separate bungalows, separate table. You're going to have your own chef, your own waiter, your own bartender. And then it's going to be an interview of any kind of allergies, preferences, foods you don't like. And then uh, the chef's just going to do his own creation. Six courses, typically using a lot of local ingredients. It's just a fantastic dining sort of private experience in the middle of the rainforest. That's amazing that you can meet people where they're at and have those different experiences for different occasions. So you can really get a bunch of different tastes and different flavors of Costa Rica. And the fact that it just allows for so much creativity. I mean, I'm sure your chef just being there on property is exposed to so much creativity with the rainforest, with the wellness from the the spas themselves. And so I can see where being able to change up the menu and being challenged to only use those local ingredients can keep that creativity fueled for a, a very long and sustainable time. So that's great to hear that he takes such pride and passion in that creativity. Oh, but, but it goes beyond that. I admire him for what he's doing. I mean, th there's a movement in Costa Rica to, I guess it's called, in Spanish, it's encadenamiento. It's to chain or to connect growers to the final food pr producers that would be in restaurants and, and hotels. So you're buying direct from the producer and you're teaching or working with them on the quality levels, on the products we need, on the quantity and the seasonality of the need of the products. And he's heading this movement where we're trying to get the growers from the region to cater directly to not just Tabacón, but all the restaurants and hotels in, in Arenal. If we can accomplish that, that's when your tourism revenue gets really spread out through the whole country and not just in certain, you know, little areas of wealth. So he has a vision that I was with him in our group a month ago, and they were interviewing and working with local ceramists. I guess the, I don't know if that's a word in English, the people that were clay or pottery to try to come up with a specific line of pottery for our hotel. That would be a signature pottery that is dishwasher safe, oven resistant, but it's artistic. It's unique. It's not, you know, produced in mass in a, in a factory in, in China. It's 
something done by local artisans for Tawakon. And if we can accomplish that, I'm sure others will follow. And these artists are not going to have time to produce for everybody. They're going to have to like, pick and choose their clients because it's going to be such huge demand for them. So hopefully this kind of projects come to fruition and you really can involve a lot of different sectors of the economy in Costa Rica that to benefit from tourism. Absolutely. That's beautifully put. And, and something that I'm seeing as a trend as I have these different conversations with people around the world who really care about their local community and care about their producers and their purveyors. And I think that that sense of collaboration is really important to the success of the larger communities and making sure that everyone is growing together. When you think back generations ago, you would exchange bread for fresh produce or milk for rice, you know? And now we have these middlemen where I go to the grocery store and I have a list of items that I need for a certain recipe in a cookbook or on Pinterest. And if they don't have it, then I go to the next store. And to instead get rid of that grocery list and get rid of those recipes and to have that conversation with the producer and say, what is fresh? What is local? What's in season? And let's build something together. I think is something that I'm very excited to see how that evolves on a global scale. And to hear that you guys are, are taking initiative at Tabacon is really exciting. Right. It's a long-term project and it requires a lot of moving parts, a lot of goodwill from participants. I mean, we are involving the local municipality, educational system, trying to get, for example, these artisans to become a co-op so they can share resources because they are not able to invest in their own ovens and in their own equipment. So they need to get together, find the resources through the municipality, hopefully, and form this union where the, the equipment and the resources are shared so they can all succeed. So it's a big challenge. Come back to me in five years, we'll see you. <laughs> but at least you're taking those steps and you're having those conversations, you're engaging and asking those questions. And I think that you'll see the ripple effect eventually. And you might not be able to quantify the impact that you're having, but as you're you know, thinking about your local community, you're thinking about the preservation, the sustainability of all of that, it, it definitely will stand the test of time. And I do wonder, you know, coming off of all of that effort that you and the team at Tabacon are are putting into the intentionality behind your products, behind your experiences, what is something that you hope for our listeners and your guests to take away from these efforts in sustainability, in supporting local community? It's a big challenge to get somebody who rightly so is trying to enjoy their honeymoon or their family vacation to take time to think about nature, to think, you know, think about the community. Some people may just want to be there to raft and zip line and have a nice meal and have a massage and enjoy the hot springs and move to the beach. Not everybody will necessarily be interested in helping. So it's a project of trying to get your guests first informed, second, raise enthusiasm and then hopefully lead to action. And that action can be from a donation to our educational fund, which we just started a few weeks ago, to um, 
going to the local school, visiting, spending a few minutes seeing how the local kids study, and maybe it'll inspire you to do a Spanish immersion. You can plant a tree. We have a nice plant a tree program. And of course, there's a lot of initiatives which are easy, reduce your use of single-use plastic, hopefully help us recycle. I mean, everybody's doing that in the world. That's not unique to Tabacon. Hopefully everybody's, you know, practicing that some because you're forced at least here in the U.S. by law. Some people just do it out of conscience. But in general, it is a challenge for everybody to work together and make the planet a better place. We're just trying to do a little part in our beautiful corner of the world to educate and hopefully inspire. Absolutely. Well, and and that's where I love to have these conversations and to share these stories because you might not be thinking about it while you are on holiday, but then if you learn about it after the fact, or you know about it to begin with before visiting, you can be a little bit more conscious and take part in it. And I think that the reward that you have and the memories that you share and the impact that you can make is, is definitely worth it. So I always like to go into my travels with that kind of learned mindset of, you know, how can I give back? And I think that that perception is changing with a lot of travelers. And so I hope that you see continued interest in those initiatives and feel that return from your guests. So I was part of an online discussion the other day, which was kind of intriguing and very interesting to me. And it revolves around the culture of tipping. And I'm sure you can do a whole podcast just on that. Tipping is a practice that is extremely different worldwide. And we see it in our hotels because we get guests from all over the world. I joke with our spa therapists from with our bartenders so which you know which nationality or which origin of the customers they prefer because of the tips we're not going to get into that i'm not going to create enemies in your podcast i have a few guesses (laughs) the point is (laughs) the point is costa rica has a mandatory 10 percent tip on food and beverage every restaurant every bar so the discussion online was do you tip over that or you don't you know, people have different positions, you know, the hotel should pay fair wages, which tips shouldn't be encouraged to, yes, you should over tip because this is how, you know, that you enhance their, their uh, standard of living. It is something that every traveler should think about because I don't know if you're supposed to bring your personal practices from home to a different country, or you're supposed to adapt the culture where you are visiting. And I leave that for you and your listeners to think about. But uh, I remember a trip to Japan, I tried to tip the the cab driver and he came running back to return the tip because it's offensive uh, or it was offensive for him to get tipped. In Costa Rica, there's no such thing. They will welcome your tips. So um, the drivers, the guides, bartenders, the spa therapists, that's what makes tourism in Costa Rica thrive. And the middle class sort of grow is tourism is the number one source of employment in the country. And a lot of the people that work in tourism depend on tips. So, you know, when you're coming to Costa Rica, think about what your tipping practice or culture is going to be and how that can really support the local community by supporting all the participants that have their lives revolve around the tourist activity. That's such a great point. And while we haven't had that conversation yet on this podcast, it's so very prevalent. And I've had the extremes of those different scenarios like you had mentioned. And I think to your point, it's really making sure that you go in educated on what that local culture is like and feel free to ask the place you're staying at, you know, what is your tipping culture? Just 
kind of have those expectations going in so that you're not caught off guard and you're able to contribute and give back in a way that is respectful, but you feel like you're not getting gypped, but you're also not undercutting them by any means. So I, I do think that that realization and that education is is really important there. So thank you for that. Transitioning and looking at the future of Tabacon, I'm sure I speak for myself and our listeners and wanting to know what the future holds for you, your team, and your future guests. So what can future guests look forward to? What's next for Tabacon? So one thing you should always expect in Tabacon, especially in our low season, which is September, October, so it's upcoming, is some sort of renovation project. We are always planning to improve some aspect of the hotel. We cannot afford to shut down everything and improve everything at once. So it's done by parts. As I mentioned before, the rooms are pretty much fully renovated. So the next couple of years, it's the turn of most of our back of the house, which means areas that the guests will not see. Kitchens, warehousing. We don't have any major renovation projects customer facing right now. We're going to be focusing on a new kitchen, reorganizing our food and beverage operation, along with all the uh, warehousing experiences and maintenance areas. But we are coming up with a second project, which is more natural, sort of low-priced hot springs on a separate part of the, of the property. It's away from the main resort. Once again, looking to provide the opportunity for visitors of all income levels or most income levels to enjoy the, the, the fantastic Tabacon Hot Springs. So further downstream, it's a completely different project. It's opening hopefully in December, and it's going to be more of a natural experience surrounded by rainforest, not as landscaped or as manicured as Tabacon could be. Still a very authentic experience. And that's, I guess, our second project away from Tabacon, but still revolving around Hot Springs. Absolutely. Well, and it's nice that you are taking the time to kind of give Tabacon a checkup and fix the things internally that, again, doesn't have to be guest facing, but it'll just prolong the longevity of Tabacon in providing the excellent hospitality that that you do provide. And outside of Tabacon, you, as I believe, are a facilitator for marketing and hospitality students at Cornell. Is that correct? Facilitating is the right word, yes. Facilitating. Well, what is one of the biggest lessons that you hope your students take away from your time in hospitality and that you can share with me and my listeners? Wow. As we were discussing before, this is a passion. And if you don't have it, you're not going to make it in this industry. As uh, I share with my colleagues, especially if you're in the leisure side of hospitality, right? If you're in the business side, it's a little different. But uh, if you're tending to the leisure clients, you are going to be working the hardest when everybody else is partying. You're going to be working in New Year's, Christmas, long weekends. All your friends that are not in the industry are going to be having a great time. They're going to be spending time with their families. You're going to be away from that. So be ready for that. It's, it's an industry where you sacrifice a lot of your personal life and your family life. And you have to make it work revolving around your schedule which is not your typical schedule. So for our team, for example, everybody has vacations in September and October. Kids are in school, so it's not an easy time to go on a family vacation. It takes adjustment. So for my students, you need the passion. You need to know what you're getting into. You need to know that while it's a wonderful 
industry, you need to have that burning feeling that you belong and you want to be part of this. As for marketing itself, it's a fast moving practice. Everything is changing. So you need to stay current. When I went to school, there was no social media, no influencers, no, you know, digital marketing. There were websites, but it wasn't what they are interactive today. So, you know, and now we're moving into artificial intelligence and we need to embrace it and find a way to make it work for us. So you need to stay current. You need to keep coming back to school. You need to keep updating your skills, reading, participating in events and congresses, because if you stay behind, the competition is going to eat you alive. Absolutely. Well, and you definitely have stayed ahead of competition in your local area. But one thing I do want to touch upon again, as you were talking about how hospitality is a passion, it's also great for my listeners, myself to, to recognize when we are traveling, to have an appreciation for the people there. They have their own lives. They've made their own sacrifices and they are people and should be treated as such. So I always hate when I go to a restaurant and I see someone treating the wait staff in a disrespectful manner, or you go to a nice hotel and just because you're paying an expensive price, you expect the world at your fingertips. And so I think that, you know, coming in with that humbling mindset of wanting to meet and have a communal exchange between the people that are running the place is really important as well. So not only is it important to have that passion if you are in that position, but then for those travelers who are traveling in a more mindful, more intentional way to be respectful of the team there. Of course. And that's a great point. And thank you for bringing that up. You have to always remember the person on the other side is human and they may be going through some, you know, showing up for work because they have to, but they may have left the sick kid back at home or, uh, you know, be having problems, I don't know, financially with a spouse, with an, uh, an elder, elderly parent. Uh, I mean, life happens to everybody. So, you know, if your uh, meat is not medium rare and it became well done, of course, send it back, but in a respectful way. Don't take it out on the poor server who had nothing to do preparing the meat. So, yes, thank you for saying that. I appreciate that. Of course. Hello, worldly travelers and loyal listeners. Are you too planning your upcoming travels and in search of independently owned and operated stays and experiences to visit along the way? Head on over to stayinggoodcompany.com or our social media channels at Stay in Good Company and drop us a note with where you're going and when, and we'll be sure to set you up in good company for your trip. Just don't be surprised if we hide away in your suitcase and join you in your journeys. So now that we know what it's like to stay in good company at Tabacon, we've learned and grown in good company with you, Mario. And thus, I have a few final questions, what I'm calling a toast to table topics. Who would be a dream dinner guest, someone dead or alive that you would like to share a meal with? Well, that's an easy answer, right? It would be my dad. Ask the questions, you know, are we doing okay? Did we continue the vision? Are we in the right track? What what should we change? And, you know, where should we correct? So, and of course, if I can bring guests, I would bring my kids who he never met. Of course, not just my kids, but my brother and my sister's kids and spouses. It was, yeah, that would be, that would be an experience. As soon as you shared that story earlier on, I pictured 
that table conversation. I pictured you two sitting there and, and having that. So I'm sure it would be such a meaningful conversation and memory. And I think that, you know, you've created such a beautiful environment and welcoming home to have that. So I'm sure he would be proud. I hope so. What is a favorite Costa Rican dish of yours? Do you have a certain beverage that you'd be pairing it with? So I'll be a little creative. Please. I mean, there's, we discuss, yeah, I mean, we've discussed the ceviches and the casados and the gallo pintos and all the fun stuff that Costa Rica offers. So I'm going to take the hard way, which is going to be the whole red snapper served with patacones and uh, the local cabbage salad and ensalada criolla. So it's a dish that it is extremely hard for us to offer in our restaurants because your typical traveler does not want to see the whole fish with the head and the tails and the fins and everything else in front of them. So it's delicious. It is amazing. It brings, for me, obviously it brings back a lot of family vacations on the beach. I wish that we could, as we were talking before, get the um, travelers to go beyond their comfort level and try something new. Because if you can get past the little eye looking at you and have the fish, it's just amazing and it's fresh. So that would be my dish. Pairing it with, I would either go with one of the tropical fruit drinks if it's a lunch. And for that, we have wonderful sour guava, passion fruit or um, sour sap. I like sour drinks. Or Tabacón actually has a very nice story. We partnered with a local microbrewery in the San Carlos region. They developed a unique IPA beer that the blend is supposed to be only for Tabacón. And they created the Tabacón beer. It's wonderful. But it also helps this sort of group of friends that actually called, I think it's called the Tres Amigos or Cinco Amigos. So it's a bunch of friends that got together and started the microbrewery. And it's the number one selling beer in our hotel. There's a story behind it. The quality is amazing. And you're actually supporting a local microbrewery as opposed to the big, you know, brewery that sells the Imperial and sells throughout the whole countries. Probably the, 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 the IPA beer along with my Red Snapper would be a great lunch. It sounds so refreshing and definitely take me up on the red snapper. I grew up around Maryland blue crab. And so I know what it's like to get your hands dirty and to really be challenged by the food on your plate and the little amount of meat that you might get out of it, but it's definitely worth the reward. And so I would definitely be one to try the red snapper. Do you have a favorite Costa Rican holiday or tradition? And why is that? So Costa Rica, when, when somebody asks me, what's the best time to come to Costa Rica? Of course, everybody says, you know, the, the, the high season, New Year's. I mean, everybody has their favorite. My favorite is right after Thanksgiving before December 15th. That's the transition between the rainy season and the dry season. So the weather's perfect. The sunsets are spectacular, not just at the beach, but also in San Jose. But people are in a very holiday spirit. like So everybody's happy. Costa Rica has a mandatory 13th month uh, salary, and it's paid the first week of December. So everybody's getting money, everybody's happy, everybody's buying gifts, and everybody's eating tamales, which would be the traditional food for that time of the year. So just that whole 
sharing the tamal, welcoming the Christmas, enjoying your aguinaldo, which is your 13th month. And in general, it's just a joyous time to be in Costa Rica and of course to get fat because those things are not low in calories. So that sounds amazing. And fortunately, we still have time left in the year to go and enjoy all of that. So you can still plan your December trip. Yep. There you go. You know what I'll be doing as soon as we hang up here. <laughs> I will make sure we have availability and tamales for you. Perfect. All right. And to not overstay our welcome, I want to wrap up our conversation by asking if our listeners haven't already done so during this episode, where can they go to book a stay, a wellness, gastronomy, or thermal experience at Tabacon? So tabacon.com, all the information, the booking engines. Uh, there's a wonderful chat feature. Talk to our reservation specialists. For those of you in my age bracket, please just call. You can get a, a nice you know, voice interaction. For those of you my kids' ages, the chat function or the WhatsApp works wonderfully. Of course, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, all the social media are great ways to interact. But I still prefer that human Pura Vida interactions. So uh, lift the phone and call. I think it's one eight five five tawacon and then just reach our sales staff. Amazing. Which is, they're wonderful. Can answer all your questions then. Well, we will be sure to link to all of that. I always give a shout out to the wonderful travel advisors that always support us. So if you're working with a travel advisor, welcome to, to do that. A lot of them, since we've been around for a few years, know us are experts on Tawakon. We have a nice program of welcoming advisors to stay with us and visit us. So a lot of them are current and they can even, you know, set up your whole tour experience, eco-adventure experience, and of course, reach out, feel free to find out what our personal restaurants are uh, recommended in town and the best places for volunteering as well. So thank you very much. Of course, especially if you're looking for that Costa Rican tour and want to visit a few different destinations, they can be go. helping you throughout your journeys. Absolutely. That's the way to do it. <laughs> well, muchas gracias for joining us and for sharing with us the vivid sights, soothing sounds, and worldly taste of your Costa Rican paradise. Thank you, Molly. It's been wonderful. And uh, I would really appreciate the opportunity. And thank you for having us. Thank you for listening along. I hope you found yourself to be in good company. I know I did. Be sure to rate and review, invite your friends along, and find out more ways to stay in good company in the show notes below. Until next time, remember to slow down and to savor the company you're in. Cheers, my friends. <laughs>